Hello, I'm Dr. Lisa Belial, and today I have with me in the studio artist Joanne Parent. Thank you for coming in. Thank you, Lisa. So I learned right before we started talking that you are a performer and a singer. Mm-hmm. Tell me about that. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, I've been performing since middle school and then decided to, I was in the 80s, you know, the kind of new wave movement. So I decided to start a new wave band in the 80s, graduated singing in a band and then moved out of this area that I was that I was growing up in in Belfast and then went down to Portland here and was in another band or two and then moved to Mass and just kept going with it. And, and throughout my life, I've been lead singer, songwriter for about 15 or 20 different bands, ranging from a three-piece all the way up to a 12-piece, recently a 12-piece, right before COVID. Yeah. So still with 80s tunes or have oh, you progressed kind of. I mean, the stuff I write is just my own, but um, we ended up being a band that would be like out playing for big venues. You know, we had a horn section and I had two backup singers and we, you know, we'd go to weddings and it's like a wedding band, like the movie. It's like that. It's really fun, but it was like a lot of work. You put in like a six or eight hour day and you're exhausted afterwards. So it kind of went by the wayside when when things started ramping up after my kids got a little older. My artwork started really taking precedence over anything else. And then I haven't done it since. But I still miss singing. Now I just do a little jazz. So do you feel like you'll go back into it? If I do anything, it'll be jazz because I really, really enjoy singing jazz. Just myself and a couple of other guys like guitarists and pianists. Yeah. So it's fun. Tell it's a good it. release. Tell me a favorite song. Oh, my gosh. Um, Jazz-wise, I like to sing, like, All of Me. It's a really good, fun, happy song. It's a really popular one. I like singing anything that can call or Natalie Cole. Probably my two faves. Yep. How do you feel about Belinda Carlisle and the Go-Go's? Love, love. Kidding? Anybody like that. I love them all. I love them all. I, I, I love Madonna. All that stuff. It's really a big part of, you know, we grew up in that, I grew up in that time, you know, like, I really enjoy, um, it's all coming back now. Cindy Lauper, gotta love her. Love her. Boy George, all that stuff. I was on my way down here today and the Thompson twins came on the radio. I was like, oh my gosh. That's right. A little hold me now. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I love it. It just makes me laugh. Makes me smile. It, yeah. 80s music was a lot more happy. Yeah. Fun. It's kind of dark sometimes now, I think, the new stuff. A little bit. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah, my first concert when I was in eighth grade was Belinda Carlisle and the Go-Go's at the Civic Center in Portland. Mm -hmm. And I had a lovely off-the-shoulder mint green top, which was um, accompanied by a lovely mint green miniskirt. And I just thought I was all that. (laughs) I I honestly, I I felt like, okay, my life is starting now. I'm cool. Yeah. Yeah. My first concert was Billy Joel when I was 14. Oh my gosh, I love Billy Joel. He played him. Portland and he was literally it was like I mean I was 14 so it was one of his you know very early albums like a stranger uh, maybe one of those yeah. is when he was uh he was wearing a I'll never forget it I was 14 years old and with my best friend and we just thought he was the coolest thing and he was wearing you know a tux and high top black converse I thought this is the coolest guy in the whole world that was my first concert and then it was the b52s who I'm still in love with so I've been to lots uh Billy Joel Annie Lennox, all that stuff. But I haven't gone to a concert in a long time. I know that's unfortunate. Yeah, I haven't been for a long time. You know, I don't think I'd be going anytime soon. Oh, wait, I did go and take my son, eldest son, to a ghost concert right before COVID. 
which is a metal band, and they all dress up like what the lead singer dresses up like a bishop, like a satanic bishop. It's really odd. I was like, well, sure, I'll go. But it was fun. <laughs> Good time. I really don't get it, but okay. So that's the last one I've been to. Wow. Yeah. No well, life. it sounds like there's music in your future. Yep. And in my family, all the people in my family are musical. Okay. So you'll be, you'll be singing again at some point, maybe. I will. And also, you have this long line of people kind of pushing you in that direction. Oh, yeah. I still get people calling and asking for me to sing jazz at their restaurants or you know, brunch and stuff like that. So I'm sure at some point I'll, I'll do it for fun, just for fun, though. Well, so that's interesting. So we just spent all this time talking about you as an artist, singer, songwriter. Mm-hmm. But there's this other very different side of you that I would assume would need a much more quiet and introspective setting in which to engage in art. Absolutely. You know, I like to be completely alone when I paint, but I also listen to music when I paint. And so the music selections when I paint, you just never know. Like it just, you know, you never know what I'm in the mood for. Sometimes it's, you know, 80s. Sometimes it's the cure when I'm in like a dark mood. And then sometimes it's like, you know, impressionist classical for a week. I don't really know. It's just like I have to, I listen to music a lot when I paint. I find that really um, a part of who I am to be musical all the time. So I use it, use it to work. And it really does influence paintings. It's weird. Yeah. That's what I find. I mean, if it's if I'm painting, if I'm in, if I'm doing an impressionist classical mood, things are much more dreamy and you know, uh, light colors come out because I am very intuitive as an artist. My painting style is, I never even really know where I'm going with it. And I did say that in my remarks on my last show. I just I start where I think I'm going to go, never ends up exactly where I think I'm going to go or even close to it. But that's part of the process for me. So it's all fun. I enjoy it, you know. Some days are complete and utter failures, and I just go, oh, and I'm just going to turn off the music and leave the studio. Same kind of thing as writing a song, you know. Sometimes you, like, get get the hook right away, and then other times nothing's happening. So it's kind of the same. It's weird. Good parallel, I could think, in art and music. It's all all art, so. So looking at the piece with us in the studio. First of all, what's this one called? Homage. And, and what, what type of music were you listening to, if you can remember, when you were doing this piece? Or what might you have been listening to? I most likely, I mean, it, it, this piece took like, you know, three or four weeks because my work takes a lot of different sessions to make it come to life. You know, I might do one really good session for like a good four or five hour period and feel good about it. And then, you know, it gets too wet and I have to put it away. I usually work on four or five pieces. So this one could have been, it definitely had classical in there, had some jazz, would have had some jazz in there. You can see that. It actually, this painting was much brighter at one point, much, much brighter. So it was a homage to an artist that I love. That's why I call it homage. And I um, I kind of have always looked at his work and been like striving to be able to get the, you know, uh, ethereal kind of lighting and also the mood that he creates in his work. And I just, that's what I was kind of going for. When I saw it, I was like, oh, this is a homage to this, this artist I love so much. So that's why I called it that. But it went through, this went through a lot of uh, different iterations before it came to the right one. Who, who is the artist? His name is, I just forgot it. Hold on. You asked me and now I forgot. It is, um, a, how do I say it? Adriano Farinella. He's amazing. 
He teaches online courses. He just has this kind of like airy, ethereal, kind of muted tones, which is what this ended up being. But uh, I usually paint much brighter. But I'm like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to really see what I can do with these muted tones, which is hard for me to be anything muted. I don't do anything really muted. <laughs> so that was, it's hard for me to kind of do like less. He's like, teaches a less of a palette. You know, I'll have literally the colors of the rainbow on my, in my palette. And he teaches like, do four or five colors, the whole painting. So that's been a challenge for me. Probably always will be, but that's him. Adriano, he's amazing. Everybody should go look at his work. Yeah, he's big. So how do you get to the place of using fewer colors? If you're typically a bright, many colored palette artist, how do you pare down? It's really hard for me. It, quite frankly, is a big struggle. I try so hard to be more keeping all of the colors and the tones congruent in the painting. And it's really hard because I'll, I'll just want to throw in like a bright turquoise or something or a pink or something or peach. I like peaches. But it's, it's, if you paint with 12 colors, typically, it's really hard to only paint with four. So it's a challenge. I, don't, I haven't really felt like I've really gotten it yet. I'm still working on that. So, you know, I think that I'm getting there and, and the pieces will, as they progress, I think, speak for themselves because I think you can kind of tell when an artist is painting with less of a palette um, because the painting is more harmonious in color. Yeah. Like I don't use color wheels or I don't use any of that stuff. Like, you know, if you ask me what the, all, the color wheel, all the colors and the primary, I know what the primary colors, but, you know, and I don't do the, you know, balance, you know, purple and yellow. And I don't, I don't think about those things. It just happens. So just a weird intuitive process, I guess. So you, you have to actually trust yourself in order to engage in an intuitive process the way you describe. You have to trust that whatever it is that you're intuiting mm -hmm. is the right thing at that moment. Yeah, and sometimes it isn't. Sometimes I like uh, this last round of, uh, of paintings I did for Portland Art Gallery. I did all of the paintings underneath were bright orange. I'm talking like like almost a neon -y orange, which is not like me. But I wanted to try something different, and so I didn't know where it was going. And sometimes it would work, and sometimes it just wouldn't work. And I'd have to repaint over the canvas and then and then move on from there. But trying to intuit the work as it comes is a part of it for me. So I have hung up all these, all the paintings all around me in, this, in, the, in my studio. I have a small space. And so I hang them up on the walls. I have high walls. And I just look at them, you know, and I might work on one for three weeks or two days and then be like, ugh, I don't want to see that anymore for a bit. And I just have to kind of, kind of revolve the work, if that makes any sense, just kind of move it different and then different paintings will give me an idea to go back to the other one it'll get me excited to go back to another one so it's definitely a I never know what's going to happen process I just don't know I know what I want to have happened at the end you know for feeling for the, for myself and for the viewer but I never know how I'm going to get there I wish I did it's actually somewhat comforting to hear you say this because even though I do not paint I find that I need to have multiple things open all at the same time. And so I'll be in a situation, people are like, oh, multitasking's bad. You can't get stuff done that way. I'm like, but, 
but I have to. I have to have lots of things going on because it kind of enables me. I focus on one thing and a different part of my brain is focusing on something else without my even really realizing it. Mm-hmm. So I, 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 I can't, I, I don't like the idea that one can only be linear sequential in order to kind of achieve success. Absolutely. I mean, I've been called, um, actually, a friend of mine said, you're, you're like an amoeba last week. And I said, an amoeba, thanks. And I was like, what? She said, you're like, you're not, you're not linear. You're very, you don't, your, your, your form is constantly moving and shaking. And, you know, you're, you're a thinker that thinks outside of the box constantly. And she said, and I, she said her words were, she's a therapist. She said, I invite you to think about thinking more in the box sometimes and, and, and having a little bit more direction because you have that, you know, kind of ADD personality where it's squirrel, you know, or, or, you know, it's, it's, I also think it's a mother. I mean, I'm a mom. I've got two boys that I raised largely on my own. Their dad was a traveling sailor. And so I was with them 24 seven and he was gone for large periods of time. Um, so I had to really learn how to multitask with a four and a seven year old boy, that energy. And I think that is kind of how I still live, even though they're both out of the house now, (laughs) still that way, you know, multitasking is a part of kind of my personality anyway. So I wouldn't want, I kind of wouldn't want to be, like you said, like, I can't just do one painting from start to finish. Right now, I'm trying my very first online art course. People have been asking me to do them for years and since COVID especially. I don't really want to teach classes in person a lot. Like I used to teach like 10 people at a time, but I just don't really want to do that now. So I've been really having a hard time with this course because my son is, is a filmmaker and a photographer, and he's doing the filming of me. So he's trying to get me to explain my process from like start to finish. If a painting's like, Mom, can you just explain it while you're like Bob Ross? You know, and I'm like, I'm really not very good at doing that, to be honest. I mean, I try, try, but it's like, okay, why did I do those two colors together? Um, trying to explain that when it's intuitive is really, really difficult to do. Breaking it down into like segments. And thinking of it as a class where you're trying to, uh, pretending you're trying to teach someone that's never painted before, maybe. How did I get from blank canvas to end? I usually have about six paintings going, you know? So this is a, this has been taking a while, this class, so. Is it also related to how much time you've spent training in how to do this? So it's intuitive, but it's also, it's an intuition that you've trained, that you've spent years and years kind of going, developing. developing, exactly. So I would think that would also be one of the challenges of trying to teach this because you're you're saying here, person who is learning is something I have spent years doing and that's how I know to do it, but I'm giving you suggestions as to how to start doing this now. Right, and when I've taught before, you know, I say I asked the students, so what did you think of the class? This was a six six day course, you know. Oh, you're such a great teacher, and you spent so much time with me. And I said, yeah, well, thank you for that. That makes me feel really great that you got a lot out of it. But you know, did you find what I was instructing made sense? Because if you're just trying to explain the intuit process, it's very it doesn't it's hard to put into words, really. I mean. I can't, I still can't, I still have a hard time doing it. So this online course is going to be, I haven't looked at it yet. 
So once he gets it done, I'm going to have an interesting time watching myself go from beginning, middle to end and seeing, you know, kind of watching myself teach this is, is going to be interesting to watch. Also, you seem like a pretty interactive teacher. Very much so. So I would think that teaching to a camera or teaching to yourself and being filmed would not come as naturally to you. It's not natural for me. It's not. And I, you know, he's saying, you know, he's telling me to give more dialogue in the background or turn toward the camera because I, you know, I'm like, oh, yeah. You know, if I have a, if I have someone in my room, I'm constantly with them at their easel, you know, looking at what they're doing, giving them instruction when you're trying to do it with no one there. It's just so alien. It's just weird. And it definitely stifles my creative process having a camera on me the whole time. <laughs> I love that. Which is fascinating, again, because you're a performer. I know. I don't, I don't know what to say. It's just weird. Like, it's almost like when I get up on stage, I can switch, goes off. I become, you know, singer, extraordinaire, MC, have a good time tonight. Woo, we're going to have fun. And here's our dance hits coming up, right? It's like a different personality comes out. When I, and I've told a lot of people this, including Kevin and Emma a million times, when I'm doing, getting ready for a show and I'm painting work for the show and that's okay, I can do that and trying to have a cohesive unit, a body of work is great. As soon as I think about going up there in front of all those people, I just start to profusely sweat. I feel like one of those nightmares when you go to waitress or bartender and you have got forgotten to get dressed, you know, like one of those nightmares or something like, you know, I forgot to... I don't know. It's just like a nightmare of being naked out in front of all those people. It's a strange thing for me. Like, this is from my soul, I guess is the word, like my universal connection, my soul connection. Singing is, yeah, it's a soul connection, but it's like a, a different me. That makes sense? It's not really the, the me in here. Yeah, so, so when you're engaging in painting... Mm -hmm. And that aspect of your art, there's a, an intimacy that's involved and it, it causes you to need to, to be vulnerable because you really need to be open to your intuition. And then getting up in front of people to describe that vulnerability, I can understand why that would be really challenging. It is very challenging for me. And, you know, I get up there and I think I know what I'm going to say and then I just kind of do the freeze thing. But I make it through, get through it as best I can, and then I'm just so glad when I'm not talking anymore. But it's a, it's I can't explain how it comes out, and I think that that comes across to to the listener is you know Joanne's you know this is how she paints, you know I try to explain how I do it and why I do it, what how important it is to me in my life is creating this these pieces and having that in my life for myself, my personal life and my personal coming back to my center and, you know, really being better to myself, right? Out of the rest of the stuff that we all do in our lives, just taking that time when you're in the studio and you're listening to music, that's your time. So there is a connection there with a, with a, with a power, the universal power that I like to tap into, I try to tap into. And, that's, and I think that's it for me, just trying to connect to that part of myself. It's like when you're meditating, you know, same thing. Well, it, it makes a lot of sense because I think when you try to put words to something that's not easily verbalized, then that would be really frustrating. Mm -hmm. I mean, 
so I remember when I used to I used to sing and I would sing in mass and I'm I'm a lapsed Catholic to be clear but um, the reason I did it was because it was something so profound about the connection to something that was much bigger than me and I don't know if somebody said to me hey can you talk about your singing when you're in front of a group at mass I don't know that I could have said anything other than. I feel this larger connection. It feels deeply spiritual. I think that would have been the end of my conversation. Yeah, it's the same kind of thing. That's exactly the same. It's like, how do you explain the feeling that you're having when you're emoting through any kind of art form? I, I, I don't know how to put that into words, really. It's just kind of a it's part of what you do. A singer is coming guttural, coming from your, coming from your, you know, your, your vocal cords and, you know, you're, you're pushing out that energy. This is almost kind of drawing the energy out from a different place. Does that make any sense? But we're still vibing with the same universal energy. It's just a different way of expressing it, I guess. I, I don't know. I don't know what it is. It's always going to be a mystery, I think. I don't know if I'll ever figure it out, but that's the journey, isn't it? Trying to figure it out. That's why we do what we do. That's why we're creative people. Yeah. I mean, I think it is actually kind of interesting and fun to kind of keep getting a little closer and a little closer and a little closer to being able to actually describe that that energy or that, that intangible something that exists that is causing you to be able to engage in art, whether it's, in your case, your painting. Mm -hmm. And in my case... You know, my singing was always, you know, during mass. It was sounds more similar to what you're describing in painting than what you you're describing. You know how sometimes when you sing, you start to cry? You know that feeling? Yeah. When you yeah. sing, you get all, you get choked up. Sometimes mm -hmm. if I'm really singing and I'm really feeling it, I can't sing anymore. It's my vocal cords yeah. just tighten right up. That's the feeling. That's yeah. that connection, right? That That like, oh, okay, that spiritual moment. And that's what, you know, this also does in a different way, but it just... You know, have I painted and cried? No, I haven't cried in the middle of painting. But if I do a piece or I'm starting a piece and I have that moment of like, oh, that just happened, I definitely have had tears come to my eyes. So like I have been struggling with this portion or this this breakthrough that I want to have. And, you know, usually it's right that moment before you just want to take a big brush and just paint right over the canvas is when that that happy accident happens, right? Which makes it, to me, that's the, that's it. That's the journey, trying to find that breakthrough to the next level, right? I don't know. People ask me all the time, they say, so I really feel like your artwork is just, you know, you're channeling something. People will say that. I'm like, oh, you know, you're talking to people that are interested in the work or your friends. And I don't know where you come up with these things. You're just channeling this energy. Yeah, I think we're all, everybody's channeling energy all the time. You know, it's just tapping into that um, creative energy flow. It's like, like yoga, <laughs> yoga meditation, same kind of thing, which I do love doing as well. Even sailing, you know, sailing for me was a real big part of my life for a long time as a profession. And and I tried to travel the world and I, I got to see countries from, you know, yachts that I would never be able to have on my own that I was working on for someone else. But it was a wonderful experience, which always I think which really drives me to paint the big ethereal sky, ocean, bigger than life, the big moment when you look out there and you go, oh my God, this is amazing, being alive. That is it. 
That's it. And, and I can I can see that. I mean, there is when I see the piece behind us here, and also other pieces that you've done. There is that sense that it's it's kind of that breakthrough. It's that that moment. And so I think that what you're describing that is that kind of that strong connection, the moment where you feel like I could weep. You know, this connection is and here. Sometimes you know you do weep if you're on the beach and you see the sunset, and you know you're in the Caribbean, you see that green flash which very few people get just to see in their lifetime. I have cried seeing that. You know, you see something that just hits you the right way, and it just is that, I like to call it the aha moment, that ah moment, right? That is it. That's it. If, you could, if I can paint that sound and that feeling, then I have reached my, that's what I've always wanted, not my plateau, but reached my goal. I'd love to be able to paint that aha moment in every single one of my paintings. It doesn't come out that way, but I like to think that I would could get there someday. Yeah. And is that one of the reasons that people like your work so much? Is is that their sense that this is the aha moment? That they- is the reason. I mean, that is what I get. I get that via email, text, on Instagram. You know, they say the what you get, the, what I see when I look at your work and how I feel is amazing. I love the way I feel when I look at your work. And that's the feeling that I want is people to have that like, oh my gosh moment. Like, wow. Aha. You know, that that angel singing from on high or whatever you want to say. I mean, however you want to put it. That's the that's that's what people feel like when they look. I have a I have a client that I did a commission for 15 years ago and I they still have the painting above their mantle and the woman is a healer and she says i i she does uh you know she has like meditations and she does classes in her living room she's like she's like joanne i've looked at that painting thousands of times and every time i look at it i see something else in it like some kind of she's you know she says she sees like you know angels or whatever i mean i didn't paint angels trust me there's no representation of angels in there as far as i can see but she sees it she said, I don't know what is channeling through you, but it is happening, girl. You keep going. And I was like, wow, that is so cool. You've had that painting for 15 years and you still see something different when you look at it. That is, makes me get a little teary-eyed talking about it. But that's kind of what my journey is, I think, to connect with people that way. Yeah. So in things that I've read about you, things that we've put out there through the art gallery or in other places... It's always interesting to me with, it starts with, I was born on an Air Force base. Can I just say something? I really need to rewrite that thing. I had somebody wrote that for me, and I feel like it's not me anymore. You know, years ago it was me, but I think I need to rewrite that. So tell me why it was you years ago. Because because I thought that my artist statement for the gallery would be, my whole life encompassed in a few paragraphs. But why? I don't think that needs to be that. I think it needs to be who I am as a person, not where I was born. Not that I was born on an Air Force base or not that I did these 20 things and that I have kids. I mean, I want it to be about who I am as a, as a human being and how I connect to the planet. So I think that that exact thing that you just said, the very first line, I read it and I go, oh, it's a little cringy. So... I don't want that anymore. It's not the same. I don't feel that way anymore. I don't want everybody to know every little thing. You know, some, the person that wrote it, I read it and I was like, that's great. Thank you. You kind of gave them the, the, the well-rounded vision of who I am as a human being, but it's not really 
how I want to represent represent myself now. So I think that's some work that I have to do is is re have that rewritten and and do it how I feel who I am today, not fifteen years ago or twelve years ago when I wrote it. So, I mean, I think that's very fair. I mean, it's not yeah. it's it's not untrue now any more than it was when you wrote it or when you were born. When you were. You, right. you were born in an Air Force base, I believe, in Nevada. In uh, Omaha, Nebraska. Omaha, Nebraska. It was one of the end states. Yep. I'm sorry. No, that's I fine. haven't been totally. to Nebraska, only Nevada. I, I mean, I don't even think I've ever been. I mean, I was born there, but I don't remember well, any you've been there at least once. <laughs> at least for a few days. Anyway. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. But, but I think that's an interesting point, that um, there is, I, I think it is sometimes easy for us to look at a piece on the wall and say, well, that is that artist. That is that person. But that is not that artist. That is where that artist was at that moment in that artist's life. Mm -hmm. And so what you're describing is I have evolved as an artist and I want my artist statement now to reflect who I am today. Exactly. After the kids have just left the house, after, you know, I, I, let's see, I sold a painting to a woman, I don't know, a couple of years ago and she looked at, I, I, I had, you know, staged some work for her. And she said, is this an earlier piece? And I said, yeah, how did you know that? She said, I can just tell. She's like, you just, you just change. Your, your style has changed. And every artist's style changes or else we'd be stagnant, right? And, you know, I've developed a very distinct style now. But, at, you know, you never know where it's going to lead or, you know, you, where you've come from is a big part of who you are right now. So... I want to I want to talk about who I am now, not when I was you know thirty seconds old on the Air Force Base. So yes, I will be changing that very soon with some help from a professional. Probably, I'm not a writer. I'm long winded. Well, and maybe that's why they. They started with that one salient point. They could boil it down to that. That was the aha moment, but it was probably the aha moment more for your mother than for you. <laughs> I think so. I think that's exactly what it was. Her aha, one of her aha moments in her life. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that is that is very interesting because I have spoken to, in particular, writers before who have large bodies of work. I will read through their body of work and I'll refer back to an early piece. And that's so far back in their, in their memory that it's almost like, well, I really don't want to talk about that now because that's not who I am anymore. Right. And, I, and I think that is an interesting uh, scenario that artists find themselves in particular because <clears throat> unless you live your life on Instagram and it's out there in perpetuity, most of us do not live our lives so fully out loud. I think mine sometimes is too out loud. I've had to have to, have to rein it in, even on Instagram. I've been, you know, these days you have to, on social media you have to do that as part of growing and as a business as well as just being an artist you're trying to grow your following you're trying to be reach more people but then at the same time you know i i, I have to leave it as more if you look you know some are, some instagram pages are just a lot of personal stuff a lot of i don't really do a lot of personal it's more just like okay if you come to this Instagram page, you're going to see new work. You're going to see something that's exciting to me or inspiration or a collaboration with a photographer or something that's denoting what I'm doing right now. You know, that, does that make sense? Because I don't want a lot of personal information bouncing through the airways of the world. You know, it's not necessary. I think they get an idea of you through what you post and what you say. 
more than like, you know, I was born on an Air Force base and then I moved to, you know, Camden. <laughs> Nobody really, really wants to know that, probably. Well, but at the same time, I mean, it's, <clears throat> it's very interesting to me that you were at one point doing all this exotic sailing. I mean, I think most of us look at something like that and and we think, oh, well, that sounds really pretty wonderful. So knowing that about you, I think, is is quite informative. Oh, yeah. And and that's definitely has changed me as a human being, number one, living through some of the situations that I was in uh, as a sailor for a full-time job. I started literally sailing little tiny boats, and then by the end of my career, I was a captain. I had a 100-ton license. I was doing an around-the-world uh, sailing journey, and I found myself with my first son, Alex, and I had to cut my um, sailing short in uh, Tahiti just because I was just too big to fly. I had to fly home before. They were going to leave for the Galapagos, and they, I said, you know what? I'm not going to sail two weeks across to, you know, Hiva Oa across the Pacific with, you know, five months long. I, that was the end of my sailing career. <laughs> but it was amazing getting to it. I have memories and inspirations from that. Even when I thought I was not going to make it to the next uh, port because of the huge storms and things that you run into when you're out there, even that's informative for who you are. And then like how you see things is different. When you, when you are cl- so close to a boat sinking from beneath you, and things are happening, and you're very, very, um, when you get to your port, you are ecstatically joyful and can't believe it and are energized by that, that adrenaline for, you know, all that time or seeing being sick or whatever, you know, whatever happened out in the, out on that sailing journey. It's part of, sailing is really not, I mean, that's a typical sailor's thing that they say. It's not, the destination is that journey between A and B. That is the growing uh, aspect of it. It's like it's pretty incredible out there. Stuff that I've seen is like crazy. But you know what? That's when you see that aha moment with those big dark clouds opening up and there's a ray of sunlight coming through and you're like, oh my gosh, thank God. <laughs> We're going to get to port. That's very inspiring. Very A lot of emotion comes with it done a lot of crying on the ocean but I've also seen places that a lot of people never get a chance to see so yeah I feel really good about that and my boys got a chance to do that as well since I was a sailor since my father was a sailor we got to live on sailboats with my kids I got to homeschool my kids when they were little and live on sailboats and that was really great for them you know too so it's like been a really great all-around life experience I would never trade and you still sail off the coast of Maine now, I believe. I do. I have a I have a twenty seven foot sailboat, but I haven't been on it much because I've been too busy. But I do have one. I have one. It's waiting for you. <laughs> it's waiting for me to get out on it. Sometimes I, I'll I'll literally go out on it twice a season and use it more for like you know going out for evening sunset cocktail and having dinner, which is wonderful too. But I would like to get back to more sailing. So I do miss it too, definitely. Do you think now that your boys are in a different phase in their life that that will become more open to you? Yeah, I think that I'm going to end up probably buying a little larger sailboat where I could go cruising um, and then maybe have some, uh, yeah, have some time just to like spend winters out of Maine, um, somewhere warm and just paint in a different location for a while. So that's, that's stuff that I'm definitely looking at. I've already been looking at boats that are like 32 feet. 
So we'll see. We'll see. See if the if it, if it presents itself, it will happen. But I do see myself doing some traveling in the very near future, like within a month. I just want, even just it's a trip, you know, we've all been stuck inside for so long and now it's time we can go out again. We can fly more comfortably. It's time to go. I haven't gone anywhere really since COVID. So other than, you know, like Massachusetts or something like that, Cape Cod, but traveling's important for inspiration for everything, everybody. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. I, I feel like I've had almost blinders on. It's not, and it's not intentional. I mean, I try to go out and enjoy things and, you know, live my life as fully as I can through COVID. But I today, as I was walking on the green grass, I, I became just aware, like, oh, that's grass. When was the last time I actually took the time to look at the dandelions that were sprouting mm-hmm. or feel the warmth of the sun, you know, on my face? And it's so, you don't even realize you're not doing it until you start doing it again. It's that contrast that you're describing. Absolutely. Last night I sat on my screen porch. I live on a pond. I live on 10 acres on a little pond up in Midcoast. And I'm sitting there and I was like, oh, what is that noise? I went out of my studio. My studio connects to a little screen porch. And I sat on the screen porch with a glass of wine. And I could not believe the sound of all of the peepers. And that pond was so alive that I actually sat there for at least an hour and just being like, wow, I just, I'm just no TV, no music. I'm just listening to the sounds of what's going on around me. And it was incredible. It was one of those aha moments. Same thing you just had this morning. It's like, oh yeah, we're part of something big. So let's enjoy it and come back to it. Yeah, I think we're all looking forward to that happening now. Yeah, I, I think there's been some element of fears that most people have experienced and understandably so. Um, during the last few years plus. And I think you don't, when the fear becomes like baseline, when you finally kind of lift yourself out of it, you think, oh, I've been afraid that long, even on some very low level. So to not feel as afraid anymore is such a relief. Yeah, it is. I mean, I think for me, I'm still, you know, we're all still a little, like you said, a little bit like, oh, what's going to happen? The world is in a weird place um, still. But Getting out there and being out, just just taking a walk in the woods, just half an hour. You know, where I live, you have to put on a bug net right now because it's really, the black flies are bad. I mean, but, you know, when, when you're, it doesn't matter. You just go outside and just literally listen and walk your dog or, you know, sit with your legs crossed on your dock and just don't say anything. And that's a practice. That just... Everything seems to come into place a little bit more every week when you're doing it. I mean, that's at least for me, that's my goal is to be less afraid, get out there and hang out with people again. I still don't see my parents very much. So my parents have some, you know, they have their older, they have some issues. So I keep my distance from them. You know, we talk, but it's still kind of scary hanging out with your parents right now, you know, so... Definitely there's that, but I think we're all heading in the right direction. You've got to live your life. You've got to go out and be a part of this life. You do, and you do have to give yourself permission to take baby steps and to know that it's it's not going to feel that great right away because just what you described, it is a practice. It's a practice of 
letting yourself be a little more open, work a, a little bit harder towards connecting with people that you've been kind of keeping your distance from for a while. That's okay. I mean, it doesn't, there's nothing that we did wrong as human beings by wanting to protect ourselves and by feeling uncomfortable as we protect ourselves a little bit less. I think, you know, yeah, we just definitely. need to do it over and over again. Exactly. Like you don't know where you're doing. Like today, I went to the art store today and do I wear a mask? Do I not wear a mask? Do I bring a mask? Am I supposed to wear it? Like it's that, it's that weird uncomfortableness of it all. So you just have to, I just try to say, just, we're just going to move through this and we're all going to be, you know, on our own journeys and just keep doing what makes you feel good. That's it. You know, keep spending time with my kids, you know, spending time with people that I care about, spending time in the studio, making the positives a focus, not the negatives. Watch less news. That's my, that's a big one for me. Watch less news. Just do that. Even though I feel like I need to stay informed, too much of that is not good either. Just brings you down. Yes, I think that's true. Mm-hmm. At least for me. Can't do it. Oh, cannot do this anymore. One more minute. Don't even talk to me about it. So that's just my own way of uh, putting my head in the sand a little bit, I guess. But that's okay. I need to sometimes. I think we all do a little bit. I think that's true. I think you do reach a, a level of maximum capacity. Yeah. yeah that's, that's, I know things are bad. I have all the most sympathy for people that are experiencing these various things out in the world. But also, I for now, I need to turn this off for a little while. Mm-hmm. And I think especially when I think about what I try to create in the planet, it resonates with people right now. COVID, people were really resonating with my work more than they ever have because I think they wanted a sense of hope and a sense of peace and a sense of connection. And that's what my work kind of is. And people say, God, I know you, Joe. I've known you for 20 years. And your paintings are like not the person that you are outside of the paintings. I'm like, but it is me. It is me. It's just a part of me that I show that way. We all, we're all made up of a lot of parts, right? So I might be kind of in my daily life, you know, like laughing and being, you know, who I am. But when I'm painting, it is that soothing, quiet, peaceful, hopeful, ethereal aha moment for me. And I think I need it just as much as everybody else wants to see it. I need it maybe more than everybody else does. So that's a, that's a little personal, but I just thought I'd say that because it's a really big part of what I need is creating peace and hope and happiness. The light after the storm, getting the light to come out of the canvas, right? Without with natural light, I don't even want you know. I'll, I'll I'll tell clients, I'll tell people that I meet, try the painting with no light on it at all in the morning. Just look at it, and then look at it in the evening. Look at it in the middle of the day. It looks like it's changing. Uh, with the, you know, it looks like maybe a sunset and then a sunrise. You know, it's very interesting, and I think that that is my. That's what I love. If I can get that out of it, that means everything to me. So. Why do, why do you think it's so important that we need to be one specific thing for other people? I don't know. I don't. I don't think I. I don't think any of us are one specific thing. Well, no, clearly not. God. But it seems I important can't to other people. Oh, who yeah. say this to you. Yo, you're an artist. Oh my God, you're an artist. You're a painter. You paint light. Well, I'm a lot of things. I'm a mom. I'm an artist. I'm a sister. I'm a you know. 
like everything, you know, that we're all made up of like hundreds of different parts to us, you know? And I think that I, I don't know. I don't know why it's so important for, what you, for people to connect with that one thing. I think it's what you put out there, though. Like, if I put out there, my energy was, I am a mother. Then that's the energy I'm putting out in the world. But I put out, I'm an artist. I'm a creator. And the mothering is something else I do, but I want to have that energy. When, when, you know, I want people to know of me as a person who creates light for lack of a better word. That's what I want. So if I can get that out of my life while I'm still here, I feel like I really accomplished what I what I was hoping to do. In a, you know, 50,000 foot view of everything. <laughs> so we need to move through the idea of Joanne born on an Air Force base mm-hmm. to this idea of Joanne creating light. Mm-hmm. Yes. Exactly. Because I've grown from, you know, my age now to when I was on Air Force Base. (laughs) So we all move along. And my whole, you know, when I first started doing art, when I was in school, when I was 12, learning from my father, he taught me how to draw. I was drawing puppies and pumpkins and things that kids draw, right? And then it became portraiture. And it became pencil drawings of people. And then it became, you know, boats. I was very into sailing. When I was sailing, I was painting boats a lot. I think we all just have to move through those things and come to sit with what feels the best for us. You know, am I still going to paint people? Yeah. Am I still going to paint boats? Sure. But what do I feel the best about for me? Because if it doesn't resonate with me, it's not going to resonate with anybody else, in my opinion. I've had people say, you painted over that painting? And I said, I just wasn't feeling it. And they're like, oh my but it's true. I don't want anything out there that I'm not happy with. So. It's sort of the biggest point, isn't it? It's the biggest point. I want to feel good about what every one of my little paintings goes and lives. And I want to feel that I did the best that I possibly could. And that person is connected. They knew my story, you know, like we were talking about earlier. They, they, they took a little piece of my story home with them. Or to their office or wherever it is. Yeah. Well, I've enjoyed my conversation with you today. Me too. It's been really fun. You seem surprised. I know. <laughs> You're so natural that I was just like, oh, just pretend the microphones aren't there and just, you know, chat. Yeah. Well, that's about all this is anyway, right? Just a conversation. Just a conversation. Yeah. Yeah. You're good. You're good. <laughs> well... I have enjoyed the opportunity to spend time with your paintings previously, and today I've enjoyed the time with you. Thank you. Me too. It's been really great. I really appreciate it. I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me and learning a little bit more about you. It's been great too. Well, yes. We haven't really talked that much before. I know. We said art openings. I know. That's very true. We really haven't. Next time we see each other, we'll have this deep shared connection. That's right. Look at each other and go. Yeah. No more Air Force Base. Okay. Again. All right. <laughs> Thanks, Lisa. I appreciate it. Yeah, I appreciate that with you too. This is Dr. Lisa Belial, and I've been speaking with artist Joanne Parent. You can find her work online through the Portland Art Gallery and also at the Portland Art Gallery. Um, I think you will find that that sense of joy and that aha moment. So I really encourage you to take the time to to look into the pieces that she has done. 
And thank you for coming in today. Thank you too.